for being here, my friend. I'm Vonna Davis, and from my heart, I welcome you to the Midlife Confidence Podcast, the show that will help you skip the midlife crisis and fulfill your midlife quest. I found the key to growing in our middle years lies in managing our own mind. I want to teach you to reimagine your identity and purpose and live a life full of possibility. Join me on a journey to discover your midlife confidence. Let's talk about when you get stuck trying to manage everyone's emotions and how you can just let them have the human experience they came for. What does it even mean to try and manage other people's emotions? There's so many ways, but here's a couple that we'll talk about today. First of all, feeling like you need to get people out of negative emotions whenever they're sad or discouraged or angry, you try and pull them out of it. We do this with kids a lot. We say, don't be sad, don't cry, it's okay, let's go make some cookies. We also do it with our spouses and other grown-ups, suggesting they see things our way, basically telling them why they shouldn't feel the way they do. And a second way is not speaking up, not saying what you think or what you want because you think the other person won't like it and they'll be upset or they won't like you. Guess how I know? Because I do these things and I'm working on it. Let's pretend you and I were going for a walk together and I told you about my day. I might say, today was so rough. I took my car in for a simple job and they said that even more needs to be fixed and it's going to cost four times what we expected. I'm super frustrated. We don't have any money right now because we had medical expenses from that injury that Mike got last month and I'm so discouraged right now. What would you be thinking? Would you feel like you're expected to say or do something that would make me feel better? Would you be racking your brain trying to think of some advice you could give me to fix it? It's deeply ingrained, especially in women, to feel like it's our job to soothe the anger, calm the fear, ease the pain, but we get confused about the best way to do it. And we do this because our families and culture have trained us well to think that we're responsible for the mood of everyone we care about. It's this idea that women, especially mothers, are the mood setters in the home and often even at work or church. The lingo today calls it emotional labor, and research shows that women do more of the emotional labor in relationships. But actually, both men and women can get stuck when they feel responsible for someone else's feelings. Now, for sure, it's a wonderful thing to be emotionally intelligent and be aware of others' feelings. Caring about others, being empathetic, and doing what we can to help is awesome, too. I aim to be nurturing and loving because that's how I want to show up. It feels good to care about people and to have that connection with people I love. We just get in trouble when we get stuck in any of these three things. So first of all, We have the illusion that we can and should be able to control how other people feel. And second, we hold back because we think others won't like it or they won't like us. And third, when we're always trying to make others feel better, we unintentionally don't allow them to express their true emotions. The best way to soothe anger, calm the fear, and ease the pain is first to listen with compassion and let people feel it and process it. We don't realize we're in this mode because these patterns of how we respond to others were developed long before we had any awareness of it. And then we see this reinforced by the people around us who do the same thing. So how can we become aware of it? 
I think it can be easier for us to see how this works in others around us first, and then we can apply it to what we're doing. So when you look at your parents or your siblings, your friends and your co-workers, maybe you can see how they try and manage other people's emotions. And I'll give you an extreme example. And here's a little background on me. Those of you who've known me for a while know that I've been working in the field opposing sexual exploitation for over a decade, especially regarding pornography and the problems it causes in people's lives and relationships. And I'm the founder and director of a nonprofit that helps young adults with these issues. This has been a great background for life coaching because all of those issues around pornography are such an intense example of our choices, our emotions, relationships, what helps us build a healthy lifestyle. I've just learned a lot through it. So here's an example of trying to manage other people's emotions. And I learned this from my friend, Adam Moore, who's a therapist. He's the clinical director and founder at Utah Valley Counseling. And I heard him speaking and he shared an example like this that made it really clear to me how sometimes we try and manage other people's emotions and why. So let's imagine a married couple, Jason and Trish. And Jason's been working on recovery from pornography use. And yes, I know that lots of women struggle with pornography, so the roles could be totally reversed. But let's say Jason relapses and he binges on porn for a weekend while Trish is gone. And then Trish comes home and Jason has to decide whether to tell her what happened. What thoughts do you think he's having? He could be thinking she's going to be really hurt and mad and upset. I don't want to hurt her. I really love her. It would be better for her if I didn't say what happened. I need to protect her from this. I won't tell her so she doesn't have to feel the pain. So think for a minute, what are your thoughts about that process of decision making? Is Jason's motive of protecting Trish from pain a valid reason to hide the truth? Who is Jason really protecting? It's true that he really doesn't want Trish to suffer. But the truth is that he doesn't want to suffer either. He doesn't want the pain of the confrontation and the shame he might feel. He wants to try and manage what Trish thinks of him. He's trying to spare both Trish and himself from distress. So I hope that example isn't too triggering, but it helps us to see clearly how trying to manage other people's emotions can really get in the way of our own growth and connection. What if Jason had a different thought process? He could be thinking, she's going to be really hurt, mad, and upset, and she should be. I don't want to hurt her, but I know that it really hurts even more when I hide the truth. And it hurts me to be deceptive, too. I really love her. I love her enough to let her feel whatever she feels and respond however she needs to, and I'll accept it all. It will be better for both of us if I tell what happened. I want to protect myself and our relationship from lies and deception. I'm willing to feel the pain of my actions and do the work I need to get back on track. So which situation is healthier? I know this is a dramatic example, but if we dial it back a little, is there any way that you are doing something similar? Is there any situation where you're avoiding some kind of confrontation or discomfort by not speaking your truth? Or you're trying to manage others' feelings and keep them from negative emotions? For example, when a friend asks you to train for a 5K race with her and you really don't enjoy running, 
but you say yes so she won't be disappointed and she'll like you. How about when your 25-year-old daughter asks to borrow your brand new SUV to go camping for a week? And you really don't want to, but you say yes, so she won't be resentful and she'll think you're a good mom. How about when your grandkids are tired and whiny and they don't want the chicken casserole and you keep trying to get them to stop crying by promising them ice cream when they finish three bites? But what's really happening? Sometimes it's hard for us to hear, but the truth will set us free, right? Part of the reason we want them to stop feeling a negative emotion is because it makes us feel uncomfortable. We might say that we just want them to feel better, but really, we also want to feel better. Who are we really trying to protect? Probably both them and us. You don't want to deal with your friend's disappointment, your daughter's resentment, or your grandkid's tantrum. So I just want to offer, why shouldn't your friend be disappointed sometimes? And it's okay for your daughter to feel resentful and your grandkids to be cranky. It's even okay for husbands to be annoyed or worried or grumpy because that's the human experience they came for. It's good if we can come to believe that it's really better for everyone in the situation if we just stop trying to manage their emotions because we all came fully equipped to feel a whole range of emotions and they're all designed intentionally. Anger, disappointment, jealousy, these aren't mistakes. They have a purpose. That's how God set it up. Why are we so afraid of these emotions and especially of letting other people feel them? I offer that we actually do a disservice to our loved ones when we don't allow them to just feel their feelings because resisting emotions creates even more problems. Here's four things that can happen when we resist emotions instead of feeling them. We can start blaming ourselves, thinking if we shouldn't feel this, then there's something wrong with us. Or we can start trying to escape from our feelings, which we see this with alcohol and drugs and pornography and things like that, but also even just food, shopping, watching Netflix. We can get to where, well, we've been pushing down our emotions so long that then we have unpredictable emotional outbursts where it all just comes out at once. And we can also get into blaming mode where if we feel like we aren't supposed to feel these feelings, we look around to blame others and that puts us in a victim mode. So as a life coach, I help people see that the point of doing inner work, learning to manage our thoughts and feelings, it isn't always to change our thoughts and emotions. It's important to feel our emotions first. It's so interesting how we do everything we can to distract our family from their real emotions. We feed them, tease them, cuddle them, distract them, turn on the screen, or point out the silver lining. And remember why we're really doing that, because we don't want to be sad or feel bad. But they want to be upset. They might want you to know that they're upset and acknowledge it and just listen with compassion. Or they might actually want to be left alone to feel it. Can we just give them the gift of letting them cry or letting them be sad or angry? What if we just let them have the human experience they came for? That doesn't mean ignoring them or being cold. Listening and caring and discussing things, that's awesome. Feeling like it's your job to fix it, that's dangerous for you and them. Because emotions are not problems to be solved, they're signs to pay attention to. And it helps to heal it if we can feel it. 
I like this simple way of looking at relationships and the roles that people take in it. So we are either taking the role of a parent, a child, or an adult in every relationship. And the parent role is someone who's trying to control everything and everyone. And the child role is wanting everyone else to take charge and take care of us. But the adult role is owning our own stuff and allowing others to do so as well. So especially when you're in a relationship with other grown-ups or if you're helping your children grow up to be healthy adults, then being aware of the roles in the relationship and how that's contributing to a healthy dynamic or a harmful one is really a simple, easy way to look at relationships that might be off balance and start to see what's going on. So at this point, you might be saying, but what about unconditional love and taking care of people and making sacrifices for others and all that? Well, I love some of these thoughts that I heard from Brooke Castile at the Life Coach School lately. And she teaches that unconditional love is three things. So it starts with telling the truth, including your truth and how you really feel. And secondly, allowing others to feel however they want about that. And third, and probably most important, is loving them still regardless of how they respond. Unconditional love is not hiding the truth and suppressing your feelings. It's not trying to make others feel good by hiding the truth or judging others for their response to your truth. And it's not thinking that things have gone wrong if everyone isn't happy. Of course you can totally decide to make sacrifices for others, but real unconditional loving sacrifice feels good. It doesn't feel resentful or reluctant. In true sacrifice, you decide to do it out of love for them, not because you want them to like you or you want to keep the peace and avoid confrontation because that's about you. So it isn't actually a sacrifice. In this week's Midlife Quest journal page, we're going to take a look at relationships where you might be trying to manage someone's emotions and what true unconditional love would look like. So just so you know, every week I create some journal pages to go with the podcast episode, and you can get those free by signing up at midlifeconfidencecoach.com. So I hope you're starting to see why it's better for you and better for them if we don't try and manage other people's emotions. So the trick is actually putting it into practice, right? And honestly, I'm still working on this myself. As a wife and mom, I did a lot of swallowing my own feelings in order to keep the peace, and I actually thought I was doing the right thing. Maybe like you, I always heard women praised for being peacemakers, and I thought that meant all of us getting past so-called negative emotions, ASAP. Now I see that truth peace comes from appreciating our full range of emotions and not feeling like anything has gone wrong when we feel them. So here's a real life example. My husband Mike and I have very different driving styles and that's an understatement. My husband drives like every car in front of him is in his way and he has to pour on the gas and pass it up or die. He trash talks any driver who slows him down. Well, as you guessed, I'm pretty much the opposite on the slower and less aggressive side. So honestly, we both drive each other crazy when we're in the passenger seat where we're not in control. And the first few decades of marriage, 
When I would say anything about his driving, he was very defensive. This is where my misguided attempt to manage his emotions kicked in. I decided that even though I didn't like riding with him, I didn't like confrontation even more, so I went silent. And I'd usually distract myself by reading. But even so, I felt pretty stressed every time we drove anywhere. Well, in time, we ended up working with a marriage counselor, and one of the things he helped us with was helping me express my thoughts more often. So that led me to speaking up a little more about how I felt about Mike's driving. And to his credit, because he really is an awesome guy, Mike started working on his driving, and he's really come a long way. And he says he even imagined Jesus sitting in the passenger seat with him for a while. He really doesn't want me to be uncomfortable, but he says he didn't realize how much it bothered me because of course he didn't because I quit speaking up so he wouldn't be annoyed. So if I could go back and talk to my younger self, I'd say, it's okay for husband to be defensive and bothered when you share your thoughts. He's supposed to be sometimes. That's being human. Don't let that stop you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't speak up. You can handle it. On my side, I'm working to accept that when I'm behind the wheel, he feels uncomfortable because we're not getting to our destination as fast as he'd like. So he makes lots of suggestions to help me out. I'm learning to not let that bother me. It doesn't mean anything about my driving. It just shows me how he's feeling, and that's okay. So we're still working on the driving thing. We just drove 2,000 miles around the West, and he had to deal with me going the speed limit, or even less. And I appreciated that he's much less aggressive about passing trucks on two-lane highways than he used to be. So it's all working out. We're making sure we both have the human experience we came for. Well, friends, we've all spent decades doing this kind of thing, and it's fine. It really is. It's gotten us this far. But at this stage in your life, you could let go and find some peace for yourself and your loved ones by getting to a place where you're more accepting of everyone's true emotions. So let's talk about some thoughts that get in the way and some that could help you. So what if you notice you're thinking people shouldn't feel negative emotions? That comes because we think something has gone wrong and it needs to be fixed. We could switch that up for people are designed to feel negative emotions. That helps us remember that all of these feelings have a purpose. How about the thought, what can I do to make them feel better? It sounds like a good thought, right? But this works better. What can I do to show them that I care about how they feel? That gets us to a more compassionate space. Another thought we can get stuck in is, I don't want them to be upset if I say what I think. So just try out this one instead. I can let them be upset when I say what I think and still love them. So let's let others feel their feelings and let go of that pull to try and figure out the right thing to say or do that will help them get past it. Just pay attention. If you feel compassion, connection, and love, that's great. But if you feel anxious or responsible or hesitant, be aware of what's happening. Take a deep breath. You're doing great. You really are. Be peaceful, be powerful, and love your radiant heart. As a life coach, I teach women how to strengthen their relationship with themselves after years of meeting the needs of others. Somewhere in the middle of life is the perfect time to update your mind and how you're thinking so you can make the most of the rest of your life. You can get in touch with me 
and schedule a free discovery call by emailing me at vana at midlifeconfidencecoach.com or just messaging me on social media or find me on my website, midlifeconfidencecoach.com. I can answer all your questions about how coaching could help you. And all that is in the show notes. Take care until next time.